0: He transformed who I am and in my way of thinking and you know it's the greatest gift in my life to parent a trans kid because I'm a far better person than I was 12 years ago.
1: I'm Kate Lundquist and I love to celebrate humanity and unique perspectives from all walks of life. Listen in, learn, and grow as my friends and I share about our rides on life's crazy roller coaster. Welcome to Kate Had Me Meet. Before we get started, I have to give a shout out to Dan and Kayla Powers, the realtors that make up the Powers Home Team and sponsored today's podcast. When we moved to the Twin Cities last year, we had no idea where to start with finding a realtor. We happened to connect with the Powers Home Team and they helped make our move here so smooth and successful. We had small windows of opportunity to help find a home that could fit our large family and business within our budget in a super competitive market. They took the time to listen to our needs and then worked so hard on our behalf. An offer was accepted on our dream home at midnight on a Sunday. I can't express to you how important it is to find realtors that are obsessed with getting you the results that you need no matter what it takes. Dan and Kayla love what they do and the relationship certainly does not end at closing. We've been showered with gifts and fun nights out in the months since moving in. They make you the customer feel like royalty. We gained a house and also a fun friendship. There's a sea of Realtors out there, but let me point you in the direction of the Powers Home Team. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram at The Powers Home Team or visit thepowershometeam.com. You can also call them at 763-226-9577. Vanessa Nichols was a longtime resident of Florida, which is now in the spotlight for a governor working hard to pass laws that place restrictions on transgender girls and women athletes. I'm so excited for you to meet Vanessa. She has a mama bar heart and I think that any parent out there will be able to relate. I appreciate her vulnerability and openness as she shares about her parenting journey. I found it very difficult to pick out my favorite segments of her interview because there are just so many aha moments and just straight up fire. Please soak up her goodness and strength. You'll be so inspired. Well, Vanessa, welcome to the Kate Had Me Meet podcast. I'm very excited to meet you formally in this way and hear your story. So thank
0: you. Thanks for having me.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks for being here and for your time. Uh, this podcast, you know, it, as far as I know, will be about what it's like to be a mother. And we all know that motherhood is complicated and hard and wonderful and beautiful, and we all have different stories and challenges and celebrations, Um, and yours have been unique in that the world gets to have an opinion and eyes on you in a sense. So where would you like to begin with telling your story?
0: Gosh, I don't know. I think that's a great question. I think, it, you know, my son just turned 12 yesterday, and so we're coming down, you know, from birthday hangover, and, you know, it's just... What I want people to know most, obviously, the conversation here centered around parenting a transgender child. Mm -hmm. But what I want people to know most is that trans kids are kids living their lives. And there's nothing um, different about our journey in, in parenthood and the way that we parent. And I think that there's this big misnomer about our ideologies and where we're coming from as parents of trans kids. And what most people don't realize is that we have to go on our own journey of learning and allow our kids to teach us. And so, you know, all that to say, you know, I'm I'm, I'm sitting here with a house full of preteens that I had to kick out so I could have some quiet. And, you know, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is no different than anyone else's parenting journey, truly. You know, but like you said, I think the biggest... Layer that is different is the fact that all eyes are on us and the hatred and that layer of bigotry that goes along with it. So, yeah,
1: feels so unfair that that's something like cards that you were dealt, like society and that. However, there's good news in that. In that, our we're slowly, our society is slowly, you know, making integrations and having the conversations. But so you have one child.
0: yes I'm sorry Um, sorry yes I do I just have one son and two very loud corgis (laughs) so yes they are um, my son is 12 He just turned 12 yesterday like I said and then uh, yeah our our very loud dogs so
1: very good so when you had your baby girl Mm -hmm. you know did all the things that normal, I'm using air quotes, parents do, raise your baby girl, take pictures, you know, fill a closet and dresser full of cute pink clothes.
0: Yep. Same same as, as anyone else, the pink and purple nursery and the dresses and headbands and all of the things that you can imagine when we talk in terms of gender roles.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then something changed along the way something wasn't aligning. Can you tell me more about when you've just started to notice that something was different than what you had come to expect?
0: Yeah, for sure. So basically, when Dylan turned about two, he had this fierce rejection of the female binary gender norm dresses and dolls and things like that. And it was just very apparent to me that he was going to be different in that way that maybe a tomboy as we love to label little girls who like boy things. And um, and I always find it ironic that we don't have a, a similar, uh, label for little boys who like dresses and, mm-hmm. and painting their nails and makeup. So I find yeah. that ironic, but uh, I digress. So it was pretty early on in Dylan's life, two to three years old. He started imaginary playing as the male role, the gendered male role. He started drawing himself as um, as a boy and, you know, he would randomly vocalize that he felt more like a boy than a girl. And at the time, I mean, I was, I was raised in a conservative household, very privileged and very um, myopic, for lack of a better work yeah. word. And um, so I just, I followed his lead, though, you know, I wasn't, I was very progressive in the fact or I thought I was very progressive in the fact that, hey, this is kind of cool, you know, my kid is different, and my kid is is really kind of bending these norms and these rules that we have made up. And I always thought it was silly. I always thought gender reveal parties were silly because I always thought like, what are we really celebrating? Like, are we, what are we celebrating? I mean, genitalia, I don't know. Like, I just was always like confused. So I was kind of like, well, this is cool. You know, and I followed his lead he started wanting to shop in the boys department by the time he was four. I remember going um, shopping for school uniforms and they were forced, he was in a Catholic preschool and um, he, they, they forced the little girls to wear, you know, like skirts or skirts. And he was like, no, I want these pants. And, you know, so that's my first, my first memory of him being very persistent. And then his language started to develop uh, probably maybe around Age five to six, of like, but no, mommy, you don't understand. Like, I feel more like a boy. And there were just pivotal moments of impact where I was like, hmm, I don't know that I understand what is going on. And I was the one who really needed the professional guidance. And so, right around the time he was seven, I sought that out um, for him and for myself because I wanted to understand what this language meant. I, I really I didn't know any out transgender people. I didn't I knew Jazz Jennings existed on the show. You know I knew that she was um, a beautiful existence, and I I knew of her family, but I didn't know I didn't know. And people think automatically that all of us parents of trans kids are these you know, flaming far left liberal progressives that, you know, fight for gender neutrality and all these things. And most of us are conservatives wow. in the beginning. And then we actually learn that um, we kind of need to expand our way of thinking. And that's what happened with me is I just, he transformed who I am and, in my way of thinking. And you know, it's the greatest gift in my life to parent a trans kid because I'm a far better person than I was 12 years ago. So, so that's really the answer to your question is basically, you know, it started early on. And then by the time he was seven, we sought out the professional help. And then when he was eight, um, I think he was right before he was eight. Um, He changed his name and pronouns and it just, it suited him so well. And he was so much happier and it was so simple. It was so simple. I complicated it. Adults complicated, but it was so simple.
1: I love how you said, you know, you followed Dylan's lead and it seems like I've seen parents that I don't know. I want to give grace because I think there's, I mean, it's gotta be, There's gotta be parts of it that are hard. I mean, when we can talk about things that you've grieved or had to struggle with, but you know, it seems like parents, if they notice it, when they try to, when they don't follow the lead and when they try to like squash it, that it is so harmful. So like they don't, the parent doesn't wanna make the changes. So therefore, what are the dangers of fighting back against how your child is growing up and
0: yeah. I mean, and that's, that was a lesson that I had to learn is the danger is, is that you're soaking your child in shame, you know, the way that they're feeling invalidating their feelings. We automatically always assume that our, ch- our children don't know themselves better than we know them. We assume that because we're the adult, we're the parent but do we really know anything about parenthood? No, I mean, we learn every day. And so for me, it was like, I really saw Dylan struggling with the fact that I wasn't listening. And like, it, it was very simple to him. And so then it became, well, I want to be, when someone would ask him, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm talking when he was five, yeah. his answer would be a boy. Wow. And I'm like, huh, what, why, you know, why I wanted to know why. And I, I, I really wanted to seek out that knowledge of like, why is he saying this? Why isn't he saying he wants to be a cop or, or whatever it is, you know, like why, why is it this? And, then, you know, once I really sought the professional help, it was like, you know, this soaking them in shame for the way that they're feeling is, it's how we get to the, the level of anxiety and depression and suicidality that our trans kids face. And these numbers that are outstanding. I mean, they are just far beyond their cisgender peers with anxiety, the depression, the mental health, um, suicide rates, because, you know, we are so stuck in our norms as adults that you said it, we can't see past ourselves. So there's a great harm there. What do you think parents are afraid of when they fight? I just talked to another mom yesterday, another mom of a trans kid um, yesterday and her child is a little bit older than Dylan but came out around the same time. And we had a very similar path. I mean, most of us parents of trans kids have a very similar path to one another. And she asked me, she's like, you know, what were you, what were you afraid of? And I'm like, the same thing you were afraid of, you know, we're afraid of having that layer of bigotry, having that layer of that higher assault rate against our kids, having that, um, that suicidality, the, the, all these statistics that are always thrown at us, we're afraid like we can't grapple this with this idea that this is going to be our child Mm -hmm. facing the world you know, and, and fighting against something that isn't deemed as normal. And that was huge, especially where I lived at the time, which was Southwest Florida. I mean, I didn't know any other parents of trans kids locally. I didn't, I couldn't even name more than one globally. And that was jazz Jennings, you know? So I, I, I was terrified now I'm gonna, I would get, I was, I had to be his shield and his sword. That's my job. So I had to figure out how to get him to be treated normally and, and, and in a healthy way at school and peers and educate. And I was like, that's big, that's heavy. So I think as parents of trans kids, we go too big in our mind when we start to learn. And when our, our kids come out to us and we go way too big, we're like, Whoa, this is so big, but honestly, it isn't, we, we have to start simplifying it. And that is what I tell every parent of trans kid that comes to me for advice. You're going too big. Start today. What does your kid need from you today? Mm -hmm. Don't, don't even think about the next day. Don't even think about next week, next high school, whatever, whatever it is. What is, what does your child need from you today? And I, I think that is the biggest message is like, if anyone's listening, that is has a, a child who is struggling with their gender identity or recently coming out, like, don't go too big in your mind. It's yeah. it don't overcomplicate it.
1: Like if your four-year-old is expressing this, don't think about, well, who are you going to marry? How are you going <laughs> right. to, how, how are you going to, what are you going to write on your college application? Or, you know, right. how are they going to treat you in high school? Right. But more so like, okay, well, which dress do you want to wear today then? Or exactly. which baseball hat? Or
0: I don't know, That's is right. it that? it's mm. so easy. And and we are elevating the conversation. You said it a little bit ago. The the beauty of what's going on right now in the world, or at least in the United States, <laughs> is that we're elevating the conversation. You know, we're seeing all this terrible legislation against our trans kids and that means we're getting somewhere, right? Like like as much as I hate it and I have lost a lot of sleep over these bad bills, that are existing in 33 of our states, or 33 of our 50 states. I, I have to say that 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 means that people are listening, and you know these people that have no idea what this journey looks like are the ones that are afraid that this somehow disrupts their life, which is hilarious to me. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that's a beautiful thing, and we're seeing the visibility. I mean, we're seeing celebrities like Elliot Page
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, coming out, and and we're seeing this beautiful visibility of. TikTok. Um, You know, my kid is a big TikToker and Mm -hmm. I found a big presence on TikTok myself and a big following there as well as an advocate. And there's a lot of trans support on that app and all these beautiful stories of, you know, wives whose husbands recently came out as trans. I mean, we're seeing all of this disability and it's really beautiful. So we're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere.
1: So you see the legislation or, you know, people trying to pass restrictive laws and things, but in your eyes, that means it's like you are fully immersed in the joys and the progress that's coming out too. So perhaps it's easier to hold on to hope then. And
0: yeah, you, you have to, otherwise, I mean, this, you can get so saturated in the hate because I've done that. That's why I moved to a different country. I mean, you get so saturated in the hate and, and the bigger picture of what that hate looks like when, when Florida, the state that I moved from just passed that trans girls specifically can't participate in sports. And to me, that's like, people don't under, they don't understand even what they're fighting. There's nothing there. They can't even name a trans girl in sports because they don't know any. So for me, it's like, you know, so you get, you get immersed in it. You, you, you let it get into your head. At least a lot of us as advocates and you know, I watched my friend, Amber Briggle, she lives in Texas and they have been fighting tooth and nail to take healthcare away from trans kids. And not only that, but to jail, put into prison parents of trans kids for child abuse. Oh my gosh. And she sat on the Senate floor and did this most amazing, powerful three minute testimony. And she went viral for it. But when I tell you she's not okay, like she is not okay. Like, you know, like we, we, people think this is fun for us. Like this is, this is terrible to just have to fight for our kids to have access to necessary healthcare. So, um, you know, it's a two-sided sword, of course. So
1: I was just at a racial, well, I was just speaking with somebody in racial justice, racial reconciliation, who's on the ground doing a lot of the work. And he said, the death threats coming in again, that means we're doing good work it means That's that change right. is happening and that just really I mean that was just an hour ago that I had that conversation so then to hear you again or to hear you say that now like oh you know like all these conservative politicians are getting all up in arms about ideas and fear and invisible thoughts you know it's like <laughs> invisible issues how do you how can you stay I just they they uh seem to prey on the fear of others um always fortunate.
0: Yeah, always. And that was, you know, and being in a conservative area of Florida, did we find some allies? Were we able to elevate our own conversation within our community? Yeah, of course. I mean, advocacy and activism is local. We, we change, we make change by talking to our neighbors. We make change by telling personal stories like I'm doing with today with you. We, we make change within open-mindedness that exists right next door. So, you know, that's for me, when I spoke at school board meetings and did panel discussions, those were two very different things. You know, I was talk- doing panel discussions in front of a bunch of allies versus speaking at a school board meeting with 150 conservative people in white shirts that are calling me a child abuser and a pedophile. You know, So it's like one room, that's the room where you make change, where I'm doing the panel discussions, where I'm talking to you. You know, you're not gonna make change talking to 150 people in white shirts, claiming that they, um, that this isn't what Jesus would want. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's really insane, the irony of it all, but you know, it, it is, it's a, it's, it, it is. And, and the conversation you just referenced is exactly it. You know, the death threats, the, the accusations of child abuse. Okay, good. That means someone's listening to me. That means- You're getting uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And make it uncomfortable, you know, make it uncomfortable. And no one ever learns in, in comfort. There's no learning in comfort ever. So myself included, right? Like, so.
1: The power of a good ally is seemingly so important. And I think about, you know, you must have had, did you have a church community neighbors that you live next to? I mean, when, when the, the change started um, when the transformation started to happen and, you know, I assume you started to share with people close to you, mm-hmm. what, what kind of reactions did you get? Or, pe- or did you have some friends who were like, Hey, I know Dylan. I don't know what his female name was. You don't know, mm-hmm. but like, I know, I know her or I know him and, and I'm with you and I'll fight with you. Did you get that? Or did yeah. you get a lot of people who were all of a sudden silent treatment? Like, I don't
0: know you anymore. The <laughs> you latter. Wow, yeah, the latter. I mean, there was no one that stood up next to us. No one. My parents. So I'm an only child. So my family's small. Yeah. Um My parents were the ones that were like, "Okay, I think we get this. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Give me more resources. Um. And a couple family members, uh, a couple family members just didn't want to even look at it at all, and just said, "Okay, well, we we love Dylan, so." we'll use, you know, whatever name and pronouns, but they didn't want to deep dive in and, and deep dive, but that was okay. Um, you know, I call that, that that tolerance, living in tolerance isn't acceptable, but I'll, I'll take it. Um, you know, we need to give a, get to a level of acceptance and love and joy, right? So for me, it was the bare minimum was tolerance for me as a mom. When, I, when we started sharing this with people, it was a bare minimum. If you can't do the bare minimum, you are not in our lives, yeah. and unfortunately, we were met. <laughs> our very best friends at the time couldn't get there. Wow! They got there eventually, but it was too late. You know, I mean, it was the, the harm was done, and um, we had some family members, which what wasn't a surprise to me that that completely abandoned us and, and broke up with us. And, and that didn't surprise me at all because they're evangelical Christians. Unfortunately, I did not. um, I had already turned my back on the church because I saw so much hypocrisy in what Christianity, my family believes in. And I know that there are good Christians and I know there are good, you know, religious folks out there, but I had turned my back on it a long time ago. So I knew that that portion of the family would, would turn away, um, but yeah, we were, it was really lonely at first, before we found the community, community within advocacy. It was super lonely. And it was like, wow, you know, I, I, I put myself in, in, in someone else's shoes. And if it was one of my best friends, I would be like, where do I sign up for the pride parade, you know, and, yeah. but I had, to, I had to remove my heart and, and, and my you know, this is obviously my child and such a, the greatest attachment in the world. So I had to remove that and, and just say, okay, they're where they're at. And I had to meet them where they were. But if they couldn't meet us, then, then we had to break up with them. And, and that happened. Um, but the beauty for Dylan was he was in third grade. Mm-hmm. Third graders are easy. Teachers handled it beautifully. I was in the right place at the right time in terms of a really good administration at his elementary school. Um, And I had a lot of work to do behind the scenes, but he was met with, okay, cool. For the most part. I mean, there were a couple of little jerk kids that made it a little bit more difficult, but he had allies that stood up for him and was Mm -hmm. like, no, 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 this is Dylan. You're using the wrong name. So that was really beautiful to see is the innocence of kids and what we as adults can learn from children and the simplicity of how they, how easy they made it because the joke was on them too, because everyone loves to make trans issues about the bathroom, right? I mean, we go in the bathroom to do our business. And so everyone likes to make this. Dylan had been using the boys bathroom for months before he came out. No one knew no one cared. No, it it didn't matter. I mean, it's not about that. And it was just really beautiful to see the love and acceptance on the level of eight-year-olds. And when I started speaking at school board meetings, I got into a verbal altercation with one of Dylan's classmates, grandfathers, who is a pastor at a church in Florida, where we're from. And he called me a child abuser. It was really ugly. And oddly enough, the irony of that is his granddaughter, who was in Dylan's class at the time, they were great friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was just no, anim- I mean, th- there was nothing there except for love and joy and being kids. And one day soon after Dylan came out, I remember I picked him up from school and him and the granddaughter were planning on making a new playground for the, mm-hmm. for the older kids at the elementary school because the kindergartners had a better playground. You know, so innocent, mm-hmm. they didn't care. So we were met with a lot of mixed Feedback. And um, it took me a while, a few months, to really digest all that and understand that people only love you conditionally in a lot of situations. Um, And I had to digest that. And it wasn't until, like I said, we got into advocacy work that we met a beautiful community of people a few months later.
1: I don't want to, you know, obviously, I'm not walking the same journey, but I've walked similar maybe not parallel not even parallel but I I feel like there's been situations in my life where it feels like a divorce like oh sure I thought you were my people and you are not and I'm gonna grieve this for a little while Mm -hmm. and then there comes for me there came a point where it's like huh I'm I'm okay I'm okay like, like we're okay like yeah there are so many beautiful people in the world and um You know, I don't know, there's just more stories to be had, more relationships to build. And perhaps you've got a little more room. I, you know, I bet if there's family that you don't talk to anymore, I'm sure I would assume it's hard to see other people have like close family gatherings and be at birthday parties and things like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, that is for sure a great point. But at the same time, I have such more meaningful, deeper relationships with people now that the surface level just isn't sufficient for me. And by me showing that example to Dylan, my hope for him is that when he really dives into relationships romantically or otherwise, when he's older, that he won't accept anything but those deeper, meaningful relationships because the surface level just isn't gonna do it. You know, it's just not, it's not enough. And him and I unpack unpack that a lot now. And one reason why we moved was because he was starting to experience some bigotry in his peer groups, Um, just the trickle down from ignorant parents and what they'd say in front of their kids. And it was starting to trickle into his peer group. I'm like, no we're not going to surround ourselves with this. I mean, I'm not naive to the fact there's ignorance everywhere. I'm not naive to that fact, but I'm like, you know, no, this isn't, this isn't enough for me, for him. So.
1: There's people who say like, well, if you move away, then how can change happen? Like stay and fight. But (laughs) it's really short and it sounds like you really did some hard work and then it wasn't healthy to stay.
0: It didn't, it didn't serve me um, personally. And Uh, For my kiddo, you know, I did, I did my job for school where he was when he came out. Um, I did a lot of good work and advocacy is, it's a marathon and I was sprinting for a long time and I still do a lot of advocacy work behind the scenes and uh, advocacy work, like I mentioned, it's local. And so even here where I live now um, in Costa Rica in a developing country, my child has more rights here. He has more access to healthcare, um, marriage equality. He, they have here in Costa Rica, they they don't make it a deal. If you wanna put change your birth certificate, change the name on your driver's license, change your gender marker, it's fine. It's paperwork to them, just like it should be in the States. It's not a big deal. So here I just find the peace for both of us and for our souls, um, you know, and, and that was one reason why we moved too. is like, you know, I can always do advocacy work. And honestly, Dylan doesn't have an interest in it. He doesn't want to be front and center. He wants to be right. a kid. Yeah. He just wants to live. He took the pride flags down off of his wall a couple of years ago. You know, it was really awesome for him to be celebrated and and he got a lot of recognition and awards because we did so much storytelling and it was beautiful and then all of a sudden one day about a year ago the pride flags came down and he's like mom i'm over like i i, I just want to be a kid and and that's all he's doing he's just lo- he's living he's thriving and that's all every parent wants for their kids
1: yeah. not so. a trans kid not a lgbtq kid like just right i want i just want to live and be dylan I yeah that, yeah Yeah, that's exactly it. So when you said that you moved to a different country, I assumed you had misspoken. You actually moved to a different, I was like, perhaps she, (laughs) perhaps it was city or county. And I was like, how am I going to edit that when I go back?
0: (laughs) Nope, nope. I I moved to, I mean, I still have a Florida address. I do not have a home there anymore. It's my parents' home. But um, uh, back in June after COVID hit, um, my business there, you know, like a lot of businesses took a little bit of a hit. Um, so financially it was like, oh, what am I going to do? And I have been traveling here to Costa Rica for almost 20 years. I had owned a house here that I rented out. Um, and honestly, there was a situation that came up with Dylan's peer group that I just referenced. And uh-huh. I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing the. I'm, I'm not fighting bad legislation. I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm not, I'm not fighting my neighbors. I'm not fighting family. I'm not doing this. And, you know, he's got a lot of beautiful, not, not a lot of beautiful years left of his childhood. Mm-hmm. He's 12. We, we, we don't have that much longer where he can just enjoy being a kid. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't gonna, I wasn't willing to make his uh, the remainder of his childhood years about this. Yes. And it, and I was done. And so I sold everything in Florida, and I have a 10 by 10 storage unit there. And we go back and visit often. He still has some friends there. Um, you know, my parents are there, but uh, yeah, that's, you didn't miss here. That was, That is what happened.
1: <laughs> wow. So when you enter into new spaces, new rooms, new communities, do you, this is just, this is my son. Yep. Do you, I mean, not keep it secret, but is it just not, you just don't have to explain yourself anymore.
0: We don't have to explain it, and, and you know, but they. I, I do think it's important to say too. Um, you know, we talk about the LGBT community coming out, yeah. and like, when did you come out? You know, that's a very popular question. Trans people, LGBT people, but especially trans people have to come out all the time. Yeah. They have to come out in every situation, romantic, school, whatever it is, and yeah. so it it doesn't stop for them, and so. It's Dylan's story to tell. You know, there, there. Most of his friends know because they knew him before. We've been traveling here, so most of his friends know. Um, but it's not a discussion um, when he meets new people. No, he doesn't. He doesn't have to. It's his story to tell someday and when he feels like it, or you know, because we've done a lot of advocacy work. Obviously, it's out there, and so people find out. Um, and it's okay you know but he just he handles it with grace and it's his story to tell someday to whomever he wants so mm-hmm.
1: yeah you know. so i'm curious about what your message is to you know what like when dylan started to come out and express himself you know you said i didn't have anybody to turn to mm-hmm. what do your parents do in
0: 2021 <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, where where do you go yeah, that's a great question. So thankfully, there's so many more resources even than what there was just a few years ago. I mean, we have so many resources. Obviously, we do have Facebook Parents of Trans Kids groups that can provide some benefit. But I mean, we have, a, we have now a, a whole list. There's a organization called Stand With Trans, and on their website, they have a whole list of ally moms or ally parents, rather, and our numbers are there, a bunch of us across the U.S. There's, gosh, I want to say there's probably over 100 at this point, if not more, and we are all parents of trans kids, and we're there for trans kids who don't have support at home, but we are also there for parents that are just going through this. And parents reach out to me all the time. Um, genderspectrum.org, PFLAG, which is a huge parents and and loved ones of LGBT folks, PFLAG uh, is a great resource. So there's so many resources or so many places to go. But for that human interaction, you know, going to peers, parents of other trans kids, you know, we're here. I think Ally Parents is probably the greatest resource. There's another organization out of the Seattle area called Trans Families, transfamilies.org there's online support groups and um, the era of COVID really did a good thing with all the zooming that we're doing. And so people can go to transfamilies.org and we have, uh, I'm a facilitator for them. We have um, support groups for young trans kids, middle schoolers, high schoolers. So there's a lot out there and people can always reach out to us as individuals, parents um, that are visible. Me, Amber Briggle, Debbie Jackson. There's so many of us now that have created a, a community. Yeah.
1: Community and platform. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And then what do parents reach out to you when they're in the denial and the stage? I mean, do they, mm-hmm. I, I just think that's a huge step forward to even reach out when you're when you're in denial, when you're grieving, when you're mad, mm-hmm. um, do, what do you say to parents who are just like, this is not, this can't be happening. I won't allow it.
0: I, so I, I, I've had a few of them. Most of the time when they're in that deep of denial, they don't reach out. But mm-hmm. if they're stuck, they're just stuck. Like, you know, I want to be supportive, but I just can't wrap my mind around it. I take a little bit different approach. I know other parents would have a different philosophy and maybe even some facilitators, you know, that mental health facilitators would have a different approach. I don't allow a lot of space for parents to stay stuck.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Like, Hey, listen, this isn't about you. It's Mm -hmm. not about you. It's not about grief. I hate that word grief, by the way. I know a lot of parents of trans kids are okay with it and, and they describe it I'm only okay with it if they recognize that what they're grieving is their own dreams and ideals. They're not grieving the person because that person, it's the same person, but a better version. Mm -hmm. And so when parents come to me and say, I'm in this deep state of grief, no, you're not. You're not you're, 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 you're grieving your own idea. You're grieving something that was not there. So if you want to call it grief, okay, but I don't let parents stay stuck. Don't stay stuck. You know, like you, you, this isn't about us. Don't make it about us. Um, you know, no, nothing about parenthood should be about us. And I always use the, the analogy of, you know, if Dylan came to me when he was young and he's like, uh, you know mom i know that you really want me to be a lawyer but i want to be a doctor and i'm like no you have to be a lawyer because i'm a lawyer and this, you know and that that happens in some families right and that might be a poor analogy but i'm like would you grieve the fact that your child isn't a lawyer no they weren't made a to bit, <laughs> bit, yeah like you might be a little bit like well that sucks but mm-hmm. they weren't they, they don't want to be a lawyer you know so for me it's like it's that simple Let's simplify it. And so the first thing I tell parents that are kind of stuck is don't go too big. Ask your kid, what do you need? That's number two. Number three is follow some trans people on social media. We have this beautiful world of social media, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. There's so many people telling their stories to explain to you so your child doesn't have to how your child is feeling. And what they're going through. Listen to trans people. Listen, just listen. Don't talk. It's mm-hmm. not about you. So that's my advice. And I, I might take a little bit harsher approach because it's a. There's a lot of harm going on when parents stay stuck. Yeah,
1: there's an urgency. Yeah, and, um yeah. They need to tread carefully, but they'll also, yeah, to yeah, move forward. <sighs> I, you know, you talked about the lawyer and doctor thing, and. You know, I'm a breast cancer survivor. And in that process, I found out that I have a gene mutation in my BRCA1 little piece of my DNA, something's broken and Mm. it's not okay. And that opened me up to getting tumors. And I happened to get one that was nasty and and awful that needed to be treated. And now, and my sister's went through it too then because it's genetic. And then now I look at my four biological kids son and daughters who will possibly have the same genetic mutation. They can't help it. I can't help it. And I think about if somebody, you know, under the law right now, insurance has to cover us. If we want to have our breasts removed, if we want our ovaries removed, that is by law. We can't control this and we want to stay alive. We want to be safe and whole and healthy. And I think about what that would be like. It makes me a little choked up, but to think about groups of people who were supposed to respect, people who are supposed to love us if they were fighting against what we needed to be alive. And, and so, and I think about that happening with my children, you know, because the law protects us, they will get more modified, you know, they will get extra care. They will be taken care of. And I can't, I just, that's the only thing that I try, I'm always trying to think about, like, how can I really try to put myself in your shoes? And um, there's obviously healthcare that needs to be had for Dylan and yeah. other kids. And to have people try to deny you guys, that is, is aggravating. So well, where that's a beautiful
0: that? analogy. Okay? Okay. Like, that's a beautiful analogy because you know, that it's, it's the same and different right like i can acknowledge like that is a a, a, bear, a very different situation but a beautiful analogy because you know the statistics don't lie when it comes to trans kids and 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 suicide rates the statistics still tell us it is still very high and you know a lot of that has to do with access to health care access to Affirming family members and friendships. I mean, just one adult that listens to them and affirms them brings the suicide rates way down. So, you know, it is it is life and death. It 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 is the same in that way. That and so I do. I think that's a beautiful analogy. Mm-hmm. And thank you for sharing that.
1: Oh, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, is there has there been anything, any studies, any any brain scans, DNA? uh, studies that have found if you are susceptible to being born with the wrong body part with the wrong genitalia.
0: So there, there has been over the last several years, there's been a lot. I mean, I want to say university of Texas did one, uh, someone out in Washington state, maybe California. I'm not sure. Oh gosh. Anyway, there's been a lot. And I, I, at one time, you know, especially for myself, I was seeking those out. Like Mm -hmm. I, I am a very factual science-based person and I want to know why is this happening? Why? Like what, you know, and, and then what I learned. So yes, the answer is yes. There's, there's studies, there's yes, there's, and of course we're doing long-term studies on trans kids and, and blockers and um, hormone replacement therapy. Yes. I mean, we're taking a look at long-term because we, you know, trans kids have been, have been treated for decades now, but they're just starting to study long-term effects, making sure blockers are as safe as they claim, all those things. There's some shorter term studies, but what I, what I want to note about that is when I listen to trans people, when I would share on social media specifically, like some of these studies and stuff, I would get some feedback from trans people of like, we don't need studies to say that we exist. Mm. We don't need people, and there are, there's a study on the brain scan of that trans brains align more with the gender that, you know, that, they, were, um, that they identify with. And, and it makes trans people really upset that scientists are spending time and money to say, oh yeah, you're actually who you say you are. Yeah. You know, so, so I've, I've learned to kind of steer away from that. And I think it's great that we're still taking look, a look at long-term effects, of course, on medication and things like that. I think that's necessary and good. And my, my message continues just listen to trans people. They are who they, they say they are. And, and that's what I say to people all the time. It's like, you know, until you live an experience, you cannot, you cannot speak on it. Racism, Sexes, any, any of the isms you, until you live an experience, a lived experience is the only voice that you can say, yeah. this is the way it is. Yeah, And that includes scientists, you know what I'm saying? So that's, that's how I feel about it. But yes, plenty of, of research exists.
1: There's a lot of people who want to be experts on something they know nothing about. <laughs> For Sure. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything that's as aggravating as that for me. Yes. Like you said, name one athlete that you would like to, you know, discuss with this bill. You know, it's just like, no, they don't. They're just legislating their fear. It's so sad and so dangerous. When you said when Dylan was little, he wanted he said, When I grow up, I want to be a boy. What (laughs) did Dylan say now?
0: (laughs) Now it's a film editor. video. He's, he is brilliant. He's a brilliant artist. He gets that from his dad. Um, he's a brilliant artist. He sketches, he draws, he does these video edits that are just phenomenal. Like just these little, like one, two minute video edits that are just phenomenal. So he's really kind of focusing on that artsy part of his brain. Um, photography. He loves photography. He loves, he has an eye for that. Again, this is all his dad. I'm not at all creative. I, I've written some decent journal, online journal pieces, but other than that, I am not at all creative. So I love to see that creativity. So that would be his answer. Now,
1: that's all great. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where can people find you? Uh,
1: yeah. On our social media, websites. What?
0: Yeah, all all of the things. So I am on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok and Twitter. I never use Twitter though. I don't understand Twitter. I never did. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Um, I, my handle is Vanessa Lee Nick, which is V-A-N-E-S-S-A-L-E-E-N-I-C. So that's my, all of my handles. And um, I do advocacy on all of those channels. So I, I would love for people to reach out if they have questions and they want to learn. I'm always an open book. So
1: what is your podcast name?
0: It's uh, not a tomboy. Mm. And so that is also not a tomboy is actually a really good resource for parents that are new to the journey as well, because I literally started my podcast just to word vomit how I was feeling. And, and like, then all of a sudden people started listening. I'm like, whoa, I people, whoa, I don't, I don't even know what I'm saying half the time. So that is actually my older, I started it in 2017, 2018. And so my older episodes might be helpful because I do talk a lot about different, the grief thing and all those different topics that we touched on today.
1: Thank, yeah. you. I, Thank you. I just, I'm with you and I just, I, I've been over the course of my adult life, how can I be an ally and sharing your story and Dylan's story and really, you know, putting it hopefully in the ears of the people in my little corner of the world. I hope that we can keep the hope going.
0: Yeah. Knowing you're doing a great job. I mean, this is allyship 101. I mean, this is great because having these conversations and just, you know, like you would with a friend is is where it's, it's really making the change so i appreciate you taking the time to really figure out how to be an ally i wish everyone would do that <laughs> yeah, it's not hard
1: listening believing yeah. people and uh,
0: yeah
1: of course yeah. Well,
0: thank you yeah so much
1: Thank you so much for listening to episode 15 of Kate Had Me Meet. Was that not amazing to meet Vanessa and to just hear her mama bear heart for her son and the lengths that she was willing to go to not only serve her son, but for so many other families. I really just wanna highlight PFLAG, it's pflag.org. It's a wonderful resource to provide support, information, and resources for LGBTQ people, their parents, families, and allies. Please check it out. And then check the show notes for her podcast and other resources that she listed. Thank you again so much for listening. May you be better and richer for it.